0: welcome beautiful souls i'm your guide kato i am a wild woman spiritual teacher and evolutionary astrologer this is where i share my astrological wisdom spiritual insights and embodiment practices so you can live a more fulfilled life i am here to usher you into your highest self and expand your consciousness welcome to as above so below Beautiful. Hello, gorgeous human beings. How are you doing today? We're going to be diving into the art of conscious relating, which is a topic that I'm so passionate about. It's because of my mama bear as well. She taught me about it, and she got me into this realm of conscious uh, communication. Like we like studied her. together as well. And um, I would love to know, like, what are you guys familiar with NVC, with nonviolent communication? let me know in the chat box. Okay. So most people are not familiar with this framework. Okay. That's really exciting. Cause I hope <laughs> at least that's my intention for today is to give you as much information as I can of like, what is the foundation of this framework? Really understanding, you know, what it is about and like, why should you use it? What is the importance of communication in um, relationships and when conflict arises like how do you deal with conflict and so on how do you deal with it in a more conscious way and a non-violent way so raise your hand if you are excited for tonight's Amazing. So before we begin, um, Tati and I, Tati is my bestie and I work together with her. We, we have a beautiful baby uh, called to Venus Retreats. We actually started it last year. So it's going to turn one year in I a couple know. of days. <laughs> it's, it's almost fun. a one year birthday on the 8th of oh April. Oh my God. So soon. <laughs> yeah, it's so soon. We should try like a big party online, nice. like a Zoom <laughs> dancing party. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so... Uh, what I wanted to say is that we really want to encourage you to be fully present tonight and take a lot of notes. Uh, maybe you have a journal with you or maybe you want to like take some screenshots, uh, do whatever it takes for you to fully implement the knowledge because the the last thing that we want is that the, this is just a random workshop that you're doing and you're not actually implementing all of the information that we're teaching you tonight, Okay. So conscious communication, day one. So today is day one, it's going to be about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. Let's see how we go, let's see how we roll. And today is all about unmet needs and stress responses, how those two are correlated with one another, as well as I would love to share a little bit more about the foundation of the framework of Marshall Rosenberg. And then not tomorrow, but on Wednesday will be day two, because we wanted to give you an intentional break on Tuesday, because we are going to give you a practice that you can implement within your personal intimate relationships. Um, Whether it's with a partner or maybe someone, you know, a mother, your mother or your father or whoever it is that there's like some conflict or some triggers um, is going to be really beautiful to explore this. And, um, and then on day two, we are going to be diving into boundaries and relationship check-ins and so on. So Tati will be guiding us. So yay. Beautiful. I would love to ask you guys, before we dive into like the foundation and the framework of NVC, what are your patterns in life? And you can let me know in the chat box. I, I really love it when you guys are engaging and being interactive. Um, And yeah, just reflect on it, like what is a pattern? So a pattern is not something that just happens once in a life, you know? This is like something that keeps on happening and keeps on coming back. And it's just like, oh, it's frustrating. So a pattern here, for example, is I'm not being hurt. I'm not being seen. I'm not being acknowledged. I'm not gaining the validation that I desire or I'm not gaining the recognition or I'm not daring to speak up and I constantly people please. So these are just like a couple of examples, but I would really love it for you if you just take a moment for yourself and just reflect on like, what is a huge pattern in my life that I would actually love to gain some more clarity around and also, um would actually also just you know improve on so it's not ke- like keeping on coming back in my life so now says getting really enthusiastic about something and then losing all my motivation for it okay drogana says people pleasing the most mm-hmm. yes yes i hear you natasha says letting people break my own personal uh boundaries do you mean our oh, boundaries yeah okay <laughs> i was like a boundary <laughs> uh or a bounty <laughs> Um, Morgan says, people pleasing, dating, unemotional patterns, and lack of boundaries. Yes, beautiful. So, my intention, once again, is to give you kind of like a perspective of how you can navigate that pattern and communicate about it so we can gain more awareness around it for ourselves, but also for our loved ones. So, there's more compassion and more empathy. Okay. Kyla says, giving away my power iPhone I don't know who this is says struggling to communicate my needs how do I know what I want if I've never been taught to ask myself those questions Mm. yeah so there's like a disconnection from self happening there yeah yeah I've been there many times as well (laughs) Naomi says people pleaser shut down I can't express myself during a conflict and not being understood when I do or being misunderstood yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I ended up so frustrated not being heard that I use violence to rebel yeah yeah Yes, I oh I so recognize that as well from my past. My my father, when I was younger, he would use violence when he was um feeling really powerless, when he wasn't feeling hurt by me or by my sister. So I, I recognize that as well, that, that it's like something that can definitely come up when we're feeling like frustration or not being heard and not being seen. So we're trying to find a strategy which is violence in this case to fulfill that need of like I want to be hurt in this case. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for letting me know guys. This is really beautiful. Definitely a pattern for me. Cause I love to share personal stories. Uh, a pattern for me is definitely around validation and recognition. All of my problems in this lifetime, all stems from that one problem when I'm feeling I'm not being validated, when I'm not getting the recognition, that is always like the bottom above like all the rest The feelings and the unmet needs. I'm always going to go deep, like, to the core and met needs. And that is it for me. So it's just beautiful to gain awareness around our patterns, isn't it? Yeah. Let me have a look. Gioia says, keeping things to myself and then exploring for apparently nothing, struggling with healthy anger. Yeah. Mm, expressing healthy anger. Yeah. Alice says hyperindependence, feeling disappointed is not and not being able to rely or trust others yeah thank you so much guys for sharing so vulnerably and sharing so openly yeah it's really inspiring I hope it is also for you guys the same that you realize you're actually not alone in like feeling all of these things and like having patterns in your life yeah So let's start with the difference between what is violent communication versus what is nonviolent communication. So before I'm diving into nonviolent communication, I really want to get clarity around, but what is violent communication? I listed here so you can screenshot this. And the reason why I'm saying it or listing it this way is because whenever I say something to my partner and my partner is getting very defensive That is when I know that I have communicated in a very violent way so it's not so much about my partner obviously the triggers are there and like it's 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 so beautiful and especially in romantic relationships to unpack all of these triggers and you were are working as a team it's not just like oh this is your trigger this is your shit you have to deal with it then you feel very alone with your trigger and your pain isn't it so it's about how can we co-create and like come together as a team and unpack it together but when my partner is getting very defensive that's like a, a little alarm bell in my head of like hey there's something here with my communication that isn't actually uh, aligned and isn't as conscious here. So let me restructure or reframe my sentences um, so I have a higher chance of actually finding connection with my partner. So here are five things that are pointing towards violent communication. And the first one is judging. When someone is judging me, I feel very defensive as well. I get very triggered. That's also when you know, like, okay, this is very violent. So I've I've written here some examples, but I'm sure you can reflect on some examples in your own life. So this might also be part of your homework is to really think of like, okay, when was I actually violent in my communication? Because so often we think that violent communication is about shouting and screaming and raising your voice. And yes, it's one form of it, but violence um, more so is actually being felt in the energetic fields. Okay. So it's not always like what we're saying, but how we're saying it. What is the intention behind it? What is the energy behind it? And you can feel anger and frustration and energy, right? Raise your hand if you agree with that. Yeah. Beautiful. So judging is one, for example, saying, I think your behavior is unacceptable. So when someone says, I think, that is already like a little alarm bell of like, ooh, this is violent here because someone is giving their opinion without maybe being even asked for. Um, so it's just like, it's so simple. is I think can sometimes be so violent, okay? Mm-hmm. Then the second one is criticism. You should have done it this way, or I think you should have done this and that, or oh, have said that, or this is not good. You should have been better at that. That criticism can also be very violent. Then blaming. For example, you did this. It's your fault that I failed my test. It's your fault that I'm so traumatized. It's your fault that. Da, 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 da. Where are we taking self radical responsibility, right? Then the fourth one is assuming, oh, I thought this, or oh, I thought that. I thought you were going to do this for me, or I thought that. That is also, it can also be very violent. And then last but not least, projecting. For example, I am saying something about you, but in that moment, I'm actually just talking about myself, but it's in my shadows. And this is why we do shadow work, right? I I love shadow work so much because it's about making the unconscious conscious. What is it that I don't know that I don't know about myself? And as soon as we start doing more like shadow work and starting becoming more conscious about our shadows and about our, you know, where we are projecting and stuff, we can actually start reclaiming back our power and take ownership for ourselves and for our own patterns. So you guys, you shared about, you know, your patterns and stuff, but this is also, and there's no judgment in this way whatsoever. I'm all, I'm only here to plant some seeds in your consciousness and just be like, take a moment, pause, slow down and reflect on like, how can I take ownership in this situation, in this pattern that I'm currently in? Like, what is my part to play in this situation? Because if we want to change something, it's about first being super radical honest with ourselves, but not in the way that we're beating ourselves up because that's also very violent. And I noticed that when we start beating ourselves up, that is actually poison for ourselves. The inner critic is poison. And I've never seen anyone transform their patterns by poisoning themselves, by beating themselves up. I've only seen people transforming and changing their patterns and their life by compassion, by self-acceptance, and by self-forgiveness. Nonviolent communication this framework was developed by Marshall Rosenberg and uh he's got he's written an amazing book about it um it's quite well known worldwide there's so many seminars that you can do which I highly recommend because there's one thing of understanding this framework but the second part is of implementing it and this is exactly it as well like when I get triggered I'm like a volcano I'm like <sighs> Godzilla comes alive the last thing on my mind where I'm thinking of is those four steps or the framework of Marshall Rosenberg okay that's the last thing on my mind Um, but it's not about perfection I'm not here to call you out I'm not here to make you feel bad that your communication sucks because I believe actually on some level we all suck in communication this is why I love doing this work and understanding of like okay how can I do it differently because I'm not getting the results that I desire I'm not getting the um, the connection with my partner with my loved ones that I desire so it's just about again awareness awareness brings so much healing so much understanding and that brings choice of like hey maybe I can do it differently next time so it's not about perfection I'm also a human being I still fuck up (laughs) even though I know this framework and I'm, I'm trying to practice it as much as I can it's just about the intentionality of it of like okay there's a moment where you are triggered and that's also the thing when you are triggered Ask for a timeout when there is conflicts arising and you're feeling like, Oh shit, this is so intense. Ask for a timeout because you cannot resolve anything or find connection from a triggered state of being. So this is why we just remove ourselves from the situation. We're going to ask for a timeout. Like, Hey, listen, I just feel really triggered right now. And I just feel like I need to take responsibility for myself. So I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to regulate my nervous system by doing breath work, circular breathing, techniques, meditation. Maybe there's some sacred rage rituals that you want to do. Play loud music, just like move your body because motion creates emotion. And the last thing we want is that these triggers and stuck emotions in our body, that they are staying there and that they're stagnant because that creates dis-ease over time. So that is like a whole other part um, where Tatiana actually dive deeper in and during our retreats there's so much to it but for now we're just going to focus on the communication parts but just remember if there's one thing that you're taking away from tonight it's just like when you are triggered Don't try this framework of nonviolent communication because it's not going to work. I've tried it many times. When someone wants to try it with me or I want to try it, when I'm triggered or when my partner is triggered, it just doesn't work. You both need to come back to the space where you're dysregulated and then come from an intention of love, compassion, and wanting to connect. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, But nonviolent communication emphasizes on empathetic communication and conflict resolution. And the main goal of NVC is to foster connection and understanding between people, while also allowing them to express their own needs and emotions in a clear and respectful way. Here are a couple of principles that I've listed out. So the first one when it comes to nonviolent communication, so before I walk you through the four steps and give you some examples, because I like it when it becomes tangible and practical, is with nonviolent communication, we really want to stay out of the field of right and wrong. Okay. It isn't about who is right or wrong. You did this, you did that. It's, an, it's just going to end up being messy and chaotic and blaming one another. Okay. So it's not about that. It's like, even though you think like I'm right, I deserve to be, to gain recognition because I'm right. It's not about that. It's really about taking full radical ownership. Like I said, and thinking also of like, who am I the owner of? Well, myself. I am the owner of myself. I'm not the owner of you. I have zero control over you. I can only have control over myself, over my feelings or what I'm feeling. And I come back to connection with myself because I cannot connect with someone that I'm in conflict with when I'm not connected to myself. So this is where we're going to be taking ownership. The third step is empathic listening. And we're going to be diving deeper into that, what exactly that is, empathetic listening. Um, But it's really about what is the suffering of the person in front of me? And Marshall Rosenberg states it so beautifully. He says like, you really need to learn how to enjoy somebody's pain. And it's not like in a sadistic way, not at all. It's just really about understanding of like, hey, you are triggered right now. I'm actually going to approach this with a stance of curiosity because I really want to understand what is the pain that you're feeling right now? Let's unpack that together. I've got you. You're not here alone in your suffering and in your pain. I see you. Let's see what's underneath that. What are the unmet needs here? What is it right now that you're feeling? Because something that I also would love it for you guys to write down Our heavy emotions, they lead us to our unmet needs. So whenever you are feeling frustrated, guilty, full of shame, there's sadness, there's something like really heavy or just like even could also be positive, right? But for today, we're only focusing on like the heavy negative emotions, even though I don't want to categorize them as necessarily negative, but just like. Feeling that something is wrong, you're triggered, basically. Underneath those emotions, there are always unmet needs. So we're going to, like, basically climb this ladder downwards. First, going to start with, like, okay, what am I feeling right now? What is the unmet need there? And what strategy can I come up with to meet my own needs, and this is what I mean with radical ownership, because someone else can help me and support me with like finding, <coughs> sorry, coming up with strategies of how I can meet my needs. But at the end of the day, I'm responsible for meeting my needs, not someone else. Okay. That's when you're really actually taking away your power and we're here to empower ourselves. Okay. Okay and then also another important thing oh my god not taking things personally this is probably one of the things that i find the most difficult i literally in the past i was taking everything personally (laughs) and it was draining and it was it was really awful so i had to work on that and learning like when someone is actually giving their complaints towards me or they're judging me or they're criticizing me it is actually not about me in that moment. It really, really isn't. And I know that's so hard to understand um, or to realize when you're like, well, it's clearly something against me because they're saying something so personally about that my earrings are ugly or that I'm ugly or that I'm um, a bad coach or whatever. It's actually really not about that. When someone expresses in a complaint, you always can, um approach it from a stance of curiosity again and be like hey that's so interesting that you say that that you say that not to me i find that like it hurts me like it definitely touches me and i feel like it makes me emotional or actually even frustrated but i'm even more so interested in like what is the reason why you're saying that what need is unmet for you for you to say that i'm a bad coach for example and then maybe it's for them about integrity or authenticity or about whatever it is, right? So this is interesting. How can we start having this dialogue without, um, taking things personally and also not stepping into the realm of like what, who's right and who's wrong. Okay. We're actually like being neutral and we're here to always create win-win situations. So they say it quite a lot, like in relationships, you always have to compromise, right? Have you ever heard that saying? Like, you know, it's, it's quite common. I personally believe that compromising is actually not a good thing. Cause what does it mean on a fundamental level is that I'm basically going to compromise. I'm going to put aside my needs in order to meet your needs or vice versa. But I notice that it's not sustainable. This is not sustainable in the long run and people-pleasers will uh, actually resonate with this because if you're constantly people-pleasing, you're constantly compromising, that is going to build up resentment, and you're not going to be happy with that, but I'm also not going to be happy with that. This is why it's important not to necessarily compromise, but always looking into how can we create win-win situations. In our dynamic, in this situation, in this relationship, when conflict arises, what does a win-win situation mean? Me taking ownership of myself, checking in with myself, okay, what am I feeling? What are the unmet needs? What strategies can I come up with to meet my own needs? And my partner does the same. And then we come back into conversation and I'm going to do my best to communicate my truths, but communicating your truth does not mean communicate your ego. It is a big difference there. So also write this down. Your ego is not your truths. It's really about how can I communicate what's happening in my internal world, but then also do my best and show up for your internal world because I want to do my best to meet your needs as well. But what is it that you can do for me to meet my needs? And this is what I mean with creating a win win situation. We're going to meet each other halfway. So, to give you an example around the win win situation, let's say um, my partner, let, let's say I wanna go to the sauna tomorrow. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. I just want some relaxation. I just really wanna go to the sauna tomorrow. So, I go up to my partner Joe, and I'm like, my love let's go to the sauna. Like, would you love to come with me? I would love to experience this together. And yeah, it would be fun. And my partner could be, no, <laughs> I don't want that. And that could be like in first instance, be like, oh, I'm taking this personally. My partner does not want to go to the sauna. That must mean that he does not want to spend time with me. You know? So like we're human beings We create stories all the fucking time. So there's two things that I can do. One, I can give him the silent treatment and be like, fine, whatever. I'll just go to the sauna with my friend or just go by myself. Or two, I can actually come back into the conversation and be like, hey, I'm so intrigued to learn more about why it is that you're saying no right now. Like what unmet needs are there or like what needs are you trying to fulfill in order to, you know, why you're saying no. So then he can be like, yeah, my love, I actually feel like I've got a big deadline for work and I feel really excited, but also nervous, and I really want to do my best for, for this deadline that I have. So that's why I want to put pour all my energy and my time into this deadline. Um, so I feel like I, you know, I just can't commit to going to the sauna right now. So emphatically listening would be, for example, they'll be like, Oh, okay, that that's that's really beautiful that you are sharing your truth and that you're actually saying that you feel a bit nervous, but also excited because there's a lot of work going on and you actually feel a need for progression and productivity and, um, yeah, for, you know, really wanting to, to kick ass in your new business venture. Is that right, my love? And then he's like, yeah, that's exactly it. That that's what I'm going for right now. And then he can ask me a question of like, uh, how does that feel for you? Cause a big, important piece of conscious communication is checking in with one another. This is the biggest mistake that I see everyone making and there's no judgment there. Absolutely not. I've been there too, but it's something that I'm trying to be conscious about is like when I'm expressing my truth and sharing something vulnerable, or maybe it's in a business meeting or it's with my client, it's with my my partner, whatever it is. When I share something from my heart, from my truths, I will always check in with the person in front of me. How does that make you feel? What comes up for you when you hear me say that? What is alive for you? What is present for you? I'm so curious. Now you know my truth. I'm so curious to learn more about your truth. So in that moment, when he does that, I'm actually able to say like, yeah, I completely get that. I just feel like I've been working so much and I actually really have a need for relaxation and rest and care and also connection I feel a little bit disconnected from you and I would love to feel that closeness and just that sense of belonging and that we're just like a family unit again. And then he's like, Oh, that's so beautiful that you're sharing that I had no idea that you're feeling a bit disconnected from me. So again, in that moment, that creates an opportunity for deeper intimacy and growth. So then we can both look at like, how can we create a win-win situation? And then we can come up with suggestions of like, hey babe, how would it be for you that you focus now on your deadline? And that we then just do something really fun together on Saturday nights, would that work for you? And then he's like, yeah, Saturday is perfect, for example. Does that make sense, this example? Let me know. Thank you so much for giving me feedback, guys. So interesting. I love it that you guys are loving it. NVC has literally given me the biggest breakthroughs of my life. And it's also because I've got the most amazing coach. She is not teaching in English, unfortunately. She's Dutch. Uh, but I've been uh, mentored by her for the past year and a half. And that's, like, really where I got all my juice from and all my insights and breakthroughs of, like, oh, now I finally understand the person in front of me, why they're so upset and why I shouldn't be taken personally. So, I it just brings so much more understanding and compassion. And you just like, there's freedom on the other side. There's inner peace on the other side. Understanding like, fuck, I don't have to fight everyone. I can just be at peace with myself, take responsibility for myself, and then also find connection, deeper connection and intimacy with other people. Naomi says, highlighted, how does that feel for you in my journal? Yes, amazing. Checking in with one another. Always being like, how does that sound? How does that feel for you? What comes up for you? I would love to hear more about your thoughts. And then you're always, it's kind of like ping pong. You know, because so often what happens is like, I'm stating my truths. I'm not checking in with my partner. And I'm not even sure if like what I share with him is actually landing for him in the same way that I intended and this is how miscommunication misunderstandings are being created it's like oh but I thought you meant that and that's assumptions again that's what uh, violent communication once again where can we find NVC coaches? Yes, Natasha, you can learn from me or from Tati. She's also very passionate about it. I don't know what language you're speaking, but we can perfectly do it in English. And if you are uh, Dutch speaking, I, yeah, you can. Um, I can connect you with my mentor or my mom. My mom is a really, really great um, coach as well, NVC coach. What's the name of the Dutch speaking coach? Uh, her name is Sarah Bulvers, yeah. I'll put it in the Tara Bulvers or my mom, Nadine, and ah. yeah, they're bored, really, really great. Like even my mom, ugh, it's just so amazing. Like whenever I say something, when I'm in conflict or I'm triggered, my mom just immediately is able to like pick my unmet needs. And I just feel so seen, so understood at that moment. I'm like, I love you, mom. Thank you. That's exactly the answer. That's exactly what I'm feeling right now. Beautiful. So here are a couple more um, NVC principles. So I believe that our triggers, whenever we do get triggered, don't see it as something that is annoying or difficult, really see it as this is me right now being invited to do the inner work, my inner homework. So triggers are always gifts. And I really want you to start seeing it this way. Because triggers, as you know, probably we live in a mirror universe. So if someone is triggering me, this is actually a gift that someone is giving me in that moment. So I can be like, fuck that, this is stupid, this is dumb. I can start fighting it or I can stop resisting it and actually be looking inwards, going inwards, reflecting, contemplating and being like, hey, what does that say about me? What is this something, you know, that I can still learn? What is something that I can still, I'm being invited to implement and to heal within my being. Yeah. Then I mentioned this on our Instagram live as well, but the older the pain, the bigger the trigger. Please write this down, guys. The older the p- this pain, the bigger the trigger. Tattoo this on your arm or wherever you want, but this is so important. Whenever you feel so triggered, know you can 100% be sure of that this is a childhood wound. 100% okay, the older the pain, the bigger the trigger, so it's like even a more beautiful gift of being like, okay, what is this pattern, what are the undet needs, where is this coming from, where have I felt this before in the past, what can they teach me, and what I love about this quote, what the Buddha always says, is everything that lives inside me lives within you, so as within, so without, as above, so below, another beautiful quote that I would love it for you to tattoo, send me photos if you have done it, (laughs) and then the fourth one is your inner critic is pure poison so i mentioned it earlier as well i've never seen change happening by actually you know feeding your inner critic oh you're so stupid or you're not talented enough or you don't know enough or you're not beautiful enough that's pure poison so we want to stay away out of that we really want to look at our own unmet needs which full compassion and empathy okay and we need vulnerability to get to compassion and self-empathy. We need vulnerability. You cannot go towards compassion and self-empathy without it. Just, you just can't. And the awareness that comes from it or with it creates room for transformation to happen. So, so often people ask me, oh, I've got this pattern, I've got these unmet needs, I've got this and that, how do I change? And this is always what I say is just awareness, just, pay attention, give it love and TLC, tend, love and care and just make space for the acceptance of your own brokenness. So write this down as well. I accept my own brokenness. And I know that so often, so many coaches and healers say, but you are not broken. You are a child of God in the universe. And it's beautiful. I am a, a, a child of God and you are, you all are, but it's about acknowledging that i'm not perfect i'm also not pretending to be i can make mistakes i'm allowing myself to make mistake mistakes and it's just about that acknowledgement that is so healing and so powerful yeah it's not about perfection again it's just about how can i soften and this is what my my coach always told me as well is like nothing can grow out of rocks Nothing can grow out of hard rocks. That's not fertile. Look at like, when do you want to grow something? When the, the soil is fertile, when you're giving it so much alive and attention and water and, and food and the tension that it needs in order to grow, for the seed to grow. So it's the same with your own self-judgments that you have towards yourself or your judgments towards others. It's nothing grows out of hard, hard rocks. There's no fertility in that. So I hope this analogy helps you to reflect and to really let that land. And also an invitation to be a bit more soft, softer with yourself and gentle and loving and compassionate. Okay. So let's move on to the four simple steps. It's very simple, but again, it's so much harder to implement. Okay. And in the beginning, it will probably feel a bit and like, um, what's the word? It's like doesn't feel comfortable it doesn't feel genuine it doesn't feel authentic so in the beginning we just want to practice the four steps and you can also say that with your partner like hey babe i just i'm really wanting to gain understanding of this framework and so please like if it's not please but like if it's okay for you i would love to practice in this conversation in this conflict that we're having right now because i really value our connection and i actually want to deepen our connection how does that sound um So in the beginning, it feels a bit like awkward, but the more you practice, the more that you will make it your own and really use your words and your language, what feels authentic to you. So the first step with conscious communication is observation. So this is probably the most difficult part or step because you're going to make an observation of what has happened in the past without any judgment or evaluation. So you're not saying like, when you said that, duh, 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 that was so bad when you said that, like, you know, the fact that I'm saying that was so bad, that wasn't good, that was wrong. That is an evaluation and that's a judgment. Again, we want to step away out of the field of right and wrong. It's not about that. Observations should be factual, specific rather than vague and general. So for example, instead of saying you never listened to me, an observation would be, I noticed that when I was speaking, you were looking at your phone. So there's no judgment in there. It could easily be like, I noticed when I, when I was speaking, you were again not listening and always on your phone. So when someone says always or never, you know that they're not living in the present moment, which is also very violent. Um, so it's just about how can you state what you have seen, what you have witnessed, just making sure, are we looking at the same cup of water or are you seeing red and am I seeing blue, right? So you want to make sure because you can't have a conversation if you have like a different observation. So it all starts with like, do we have the same understanding of what has happened in the past? So when you're saying that, like I noticed when I was speaking, you were looking at your phone. You can check in again of like, were you aware of that or like, was that also like how you perceived the situation? And then you can say like, oh, yes, that's true. I was looking at my phone. Okay, good. I'm glad that we've got the same observation. Then we can move on to the next step, which is about feelings. The second step is to identify the feeling that the observation evokes in you. So it's important to use specific feeling words to describe your emotions, such as I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling disappointed, or I'm feeling excited. A feeling is something that you're feeling in your body. Okay, so it's kind of like that You know, frustration, anger, disappointment, these are all feelings. They're connected to emotions. So it's important to recognize that feelings, excuse me, are different from thoughts or evaluations once again. So, for example, I feel like you don't care about what I'm saying is actually a thought or evaluation rather than a feeling. I hope that you're feeling that nuance there. Then the third step is the needs. The third step is to identify the underlying need or value that is driving your feeling. And needs are universal and they can include things like safety, respect, belonging, and autonomy. So it's important to express needs in a positive way rather than focusing on what you don't want. So for example, I need to feel heard and understood is a positive expression of a need while I don't want you to ignore me is a negative expression. Something also that comes up for me that I want to give as an example, it's quite um, difficult. I thought it was difficult when I first heard it. When you're saying, I have a need for justice, justice is actually not a need. Which sounds weird, right? Because you're like, well, I I want justice. I want like fairness, right? But what is fair? Who decides in a situation who's right or wrong? Like what is fair? fair for me it might be something completely different than what is fair for you so that is not a need that is universal so just wanted to give you that example like needs like what i shared is like i feel a need for belonging i feel a need for connection i feel a need for integrity for authenticity i feel a need for freedom of choice these are all universal needs so that means everyone shares these needs not just me I'm not unique in that way. We all have that need. We all have a need for recognition. I don't know anyone who says, oh, I don't need recognition. I don't need validation. I'm good by myself. Nonsense. <laughs> Everyone needs validation and recognition. So I just wanted to say that. And it's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with wanting that. It's about standing for what it is that you are desiring and that you're wanting it. Okay. Okay. The fourth and last step is making a request. So this request um, to make a request for how the other person can meet your needs. You can invite them to meet your needs. A request is not the same as a demand. A demand is like, I demand you to do that and I can't hear a no. Okay, so for a request, I can hear a yes or a no. And if you say yes, then that's amazing. Then we can, you know, come to a win-win situation. If you're saying no, then that's an invitation for me again to approach it with curiosity and being like, hey, that's so interesting why you're saying no. Do you remember when I gave that example with my partner in sauna? he said no. I could have easily been like, oh my God, he doesn't want to spend time with me. Like he doesn't think I'm a good girlfriend or he doesn't like me anymore. Going in my own tape of limiting beliefs, disempowering stories that I created about myself. So this is actually where I'm hurting myself, right? So with the request, when he says no, we can start asking questions, deeper, meaningful questions, because underneath every no, there's an unmet need or there's a desire from this person that they are trying to fulfill. So then you can start negotiating or starting the process of like, how can we create a win-win situation for each other? So requests should be clear, specific, and doable. They're not demands. and Underneath every no, there is a yes as well. You just have to dig deeper because a yes and no to you could be yes to themselves. And then you can start asking questions. What are you saying? Yes to. So for example, would you be willing to put your phone down and give me your full attention just for a few minutes because I have something really vulnerable to share with you. That is a clear and specific request. Don't make it vague, don't make it 10 sentences long because you will already like lose the other person. Just keep it concise to the point, what is it that you desire? And saying it again in a way of like, hey, would you be open? Would you be willing to do this? Not like do this for me, that's a demand. Would you be willing to do or to put your phone down? That's a request because in that that situation the person still has the ability to say no. And because maybe they're saying no, because like, no, I've got an important phone call that I'm waiting for and they're going to give me important news about this or that. So again, yes. Does that make sense? The four steps, raise your hand if it does. So yeah. I love mean, just someone had a question around what was step two again. And you can just quickly. Um, oh right, So now step two is about the feelings. Yeah. Charlie's got it right. Yeah. The feelings. What am I feeling right now? What is arising when I hear you say, da, 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 da? What is arising? What feeling is arising when I see you, da, 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 da? When I see you not doing the dishes? What emotion is arising when I see you being on your phone when I'm talking and I'm saying something really vulnerable and important to you? And so on. Yeah. Beautiful. So here's an example one a disagreement with a coworker. So the observation could be like, I noticed that during the team meeting, you spoke over me when I was trying to share my idea. Okay. So there's no judgment in that. It's just like, Hey, this is what I've witnessed. Like, is that also like how you experienced it? So you can ask that again, you can check in, like, uh, did you also like, did you experience that in the same way as I did? The feeling is I felt frustrated and disrespected when that happens. I would love to be given the space to share my ideas so I can feel heard and valued in our in our team discussions. Like I would love to contribute and share my ideas, you know? And then a request would be like, would you be open to take turns speaking during the next meeting so that everyone has a chance to share their ideas? How does that sound to you? How does that feel for you? Another example is a dispute with a neighbor. So the observation could be, I noticed that your dog has been barking loudly every night and it's been keeping me awake. I feel frustrated when I'm not able to fall asleep because of the noise. And the need is that I desire actually rest and peace and just quietness in my own home so I can feel energetic the next day to work so a request could be are you open to finding solutions to reduce the noise such as using a bar collar or banging a dog inside at night I would love to find a solution that works for the both of us again like how does that sound how does that feel for you so actively listening to someone's needs and feelings this is really about listening what is underneath without you know someone's judgments or of someone's criticism and complaint like I said it isn't about you it really really isn't and that's the hardest part trust me I've been there many times so an important part of this of like listening more empathetically or with more compassion could be really reflecting back of what it is that we just heard and this is something that I would love for you, for you to write it down as well. The next time when you're feeling that you're misunderstood, you're not being hurt. Um, you're just not sure if like you're in the intention of your conversation and what you have to sh- like want to share with your partner, if it's landing in the same way, um, a strategy that you can use or a sentence that you can use is basically saying like, hey, I am unsure if I have made myself clear Can you please repeat or reflect back to me what I've just shared? So in that moment, you're giving them the space to um, summarize what they heard you say and then they can ask you about is like, um, something like, have I understood it correctly? Is that what you intended? So again, always checking in with one another. Yeah, just basically saying like I just want to make sure that I made myself clear. Would it be possible for you to just uh, summarize what I just shared with you? Because I feel like it's really important information, and I just wanted to make sure that we're like on the same page. And if I've made myself clear, um, yeah. And you can do the same thing for your partner when they are sharing something. Always reflecting the essence. So the essence. What I mean with that is like their feelings that they're feeling right now or experiencing right now, and connecting it to the unmet needs. So when some when my partner comes up to me and he's like sharing like his triggers and he's so frustrated around da da da, da whatever happened, could be like, oh, I noticed that there's indeed like there's some frustration and anger there. Is it maybe because you have a need for um authenticity? Or is it maybe because you have a need for this or that? So we're going to start. Guessing in that way. It's not about I'm wanting to strive to have the right answer and be like, I want to be right. It's just about giving cookies to our partner in that moment, guessing of like, okay, what unmet needs could it be? Because as soon as we go to the unmet needs and unpack all of these layers, then it actually becomes super clear what we need to do. Then we can find strategies and understanding of like, oh, so this is what is happening for me right now. And then we can grow towards compassion and understanding and to healing eventually. You can also ask clarifying questions, practice putting ourselves in other shoes and using empathy to build connection and understanding. Okay. I would love for you guys to write this down as well, especially if you're in a partnership right now. Um, this is a way of how you can invite your partner into understanding you. So there was a lot of people that were like, yeah, I feel so misunderstood. I don't feel hurt. There's miscommunication, misunderstandings and so on. Um, you can really start sharing what, like, basically (laughs) saying the sentence, like, can I share some upset that I've got that you would never have wanted for me? How beautiful is that sentence? Like really let that land. It's not about like, you made me feel like this, you hurt me, then we're going to blame again. It's really about, Hey, there's just something present right now. I feel like there's something moving for me. We'd love to unpack this together Can I share the the upset that I'm going through, that I'm feeling right now, that I know that you would have never wanted for me? You didn't do this on purpose. Maybe it's it's most likely something that is like you did like um, your behavior, what you said. It wasn't the intention to hurt me. So can we unpack this together as a team? Because we are a team. So I can't imagine how heartbreaking it is, how lonely you have felt, how dismissed you might have felt and how protective you had to become after what has happened to us. That is, again, also a way to really connect from heart to heart. Yeah, I hope that you can feel um, the nuance here rather than like starting to blame and starting to project and assume and judge and so on really like I understand I see you I hear you I recognize your pain and I'm here with you you don't have to go through this alone oh, because suffering God. when we are suffering like that, that is there there's this immense feeling of loneliness you probably agree with this let me know in the chat box but I definitely like when I'm suffering I always think like oh I must be so alone in this <laughs> whereas we're really not we're really not so um and that creates, again, deeper intimacy. And uh, I've had it with my partner. I'm very open about this. Um, last week we had a, a conflict that arose in our relationship. And um, yeah, it was really interesting. I Last week I had like a big work week. I was feeling very um, overstimulated. There was like a lot of work going on, a lot of meetings, a lot of deadlines for me. And you know, after my work day, I just wanted to grab my food and sit in the couch and just like eat my food and be in stillness and in silence and just focus on eating. <laughs> Cause I felt like I was like barely making it. It's true. Right. So my partner saw that happening. He witnessed me going to the couch, whereas he was sitting on the other side of the couch. (laughs) And he said, like, he gave this response or like this reaction of like, you never come sit next to me. (laughs) You never come sit next to me. So like, he really said it with like violence in his voice. And like, in that moment, I was just like, what? (laughs) What's going on? What do you mean? And we started then like unpacking, what it was a bit later because we were both very triggered by that in that moment. So again, it's not about perfection, it's just about awareness. And what eventually happened is that we both like afterwards came together and we impacted in a way, the way I expressed to him, like, hey, when you share them this way, I actually got very defensive or I got very duck like, triggered because all I wanted was just be, to be left alone and just be in my own space. And he was like, yeah, but we haven't connected for so long. I just really want connection. I do want to really want to touch you and you just don't touch me. Why don't you want to touch me? <laughs> OK, so we had this communication Um Conflict that I was that we really brought it up of like okay how can we communi- communicate more effectively next time where it's it's not as violently. It's not our intention, you know, he wanted just connection. So we went a little bit deeper and we really unpacked with like, okay, what feelings are coming up for us and what unmet needs. And then he came to the realization that the unmet needs for him was like I said, he had a need for belonging, a need for connection, a need for closeness, and just a need for like touch and like really like, you know, feeling my presence. Again, it all comes down to connection, but you can like go deeper and deeper to, you know, t- taking the ladder. And then I was able to express, yeah, well, I was actually feeling so overstimulated. I just really felt the need for the relaxation and for autonomy and for freedom, freedom of like having having a choice of like doing whatever the fuck I want to do in that moment because I'm tired. So I felt like actually a need to connect with myself. So he wanted to connect with me, but I wanted to connect with myself first before I could be able or was able to connect with him so because we were able to unpack that and just be like oh so that was what was going on for you he was actually able to be like oh you're so right like next time when that happens i'm not going to attack you in that way of like oh you're never sitting sitting next to me i'm going to speak for my desire and be like oh hey baby oh i would love so much like if you can just like sit next like sit next to one another like uh would you also want that or maybe later or like let me know what works for you So it's just to give you an example, again, (laughs) I'm also not perfect, I also fuck up, but it's just about like, okay, how can we resolve this in a conscious way, in a mature way, in an emotional mature way, without getting defensive, um, and without like constantly having this, yeah, just bad energy, because that's the last thing that you want, right? Like I was in my corner, and he was in his, his corner, and actually we did want to have connection, we just didn't know in the moment how to get there. Thank you for sharing your personal story. I can relate hundred percent to needing space and then feeling guilt for wanting it. Yeah. So now, because I express it with my, with my partner, and we're going to talk about this just now, how we are going to connect the stress responses with the unmet needs. I am a flighter. I flight when shit hits the fan, when someone attacks me, I run away as fast as I can. I'm like unreachable. You can't call me, you can't text me, (laughs) I'm gone. And that's my stress response, right? This is like when it's basically a chemical part in your brain, this is going to take me to the next slide. Oh, almost the next slide. It's a chemical part in your brain that comes up when we are in stress situations. So it's not about meeting it with self-judgment, it's about understanding and meeting it with so much love and compassion. I absolutely love your way of communication with your partner. Yes, it's a work in progress. I feel also really proud of it, of like how we handle things. This is just some mundane things, but obviously there's also bigger things at play, but it's, it all comes down to the same thing. That This is basically my, my message for today, is really finding ways of how you can meet each other with love and compassion. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for reflecting that back to me. Okay, then we might go a little bit over time. Let me have a look. Yes, uh, we might, yeah, might be like a 20 more minutes or so. So what is the difference between empathy versus sympathy? Also a really important one. Empathy is the ability to feel what another person is feeling, to understand their perspective and to communicate that understanding to them. So by reflecting back their feelings and unmet needs, that is empathy. That is really taking the core out of what you're hearing someone say. You're always coming back to like, okay, so you're feeling frustrated. Oh, you're feeling sad because this and that didn't happen and that doesn't meet your need for whatever it is. So we're going to be guessing with that. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. It's not about perfection. It's about, hey, let's see this as a game to understand what's going on in your internal world. I'm super curious. I'm here to support you, hold space, and help you so you can come back to self connection. And sympathy is. Um, feeling sorry for another person's situation, but not necessarily understanding or sharing their emotions. So I'm going to give you an example. So empathy could be, let's say your friend is upset about a breakup. You listen to them without judgments, you're validating their feelings and you say something like, I can imagine how difficult that must be for you. It sounds like you're feeling a lot of pain right now. By doing so, you are acknowledging their emotions and demonstrating that you understand and care about their situation. Sympathy would be if you were to respond sympathetically to the same situation, you might say something like, I'm sorry to hear that. That must be really tough. While this response shows that you care, it doesn't necessarily convey an understanding of your friend's emotions or perspective. So when I'm gossiping about Susie and say, saying all these bad things about Susie, Susie is this and Susie does that and da-da-da, can you believe it? Oh my God. My friend could be like, oh my God, Susie is a bitch. So that is not empathy, that is sympathy. <laughs> so my friend in that moment is not necessarily um really feeling like um listening empathetically it's just more sympathy so again it's not about good or wrong it's just about understanding that there's a difference between those two so my friend could be like oh could it be that you're again like angry because Susie lets you down and it makes you feel disappointed and it's not meeting your need for um loyalty in your friendship whatever it is that Susie has done (laughs) okay so in short, empathy involves actively seeking to understand and relate to another person's emotions, while sympathy is more focused on expressing concern for their situation. Okay. And then now is the most fun part, stress responses. So to fight, flight, freeze, or fun, you probably all know about the stress responses or have learned about them in psychology or wherever it is. My intention for you today is to uncover what your stress response is and don't be fooled. It's its not as easy. It took me six months to figure out what my stress response was. I used to thought that I was a fighter because I'm this Godzilla. And I'm like, if someone, you know, attacks me, I'm going to fight. It took me six months to understand and to realize like, oh my God, I'm not a fighter. I flight. I always flight In like every situation, when shit gets hard, I start flighting, going on my phone, I'm scrolling, I'm watching Netflix, I'm not, I'm unreachable. I, I, I'm telling my partner, I don't, can't have this conversation right now. I'm not available for this. You know, this is my stress response coming up. So what is important about these stress responses is that it originates in our reptilian brain, our reptilian brain is our oldest brain. So this is connected to our emotional brain. So you have, um, is basically the difference between a rational brain and emotional brain, emotional brain is where a little Cato lives. Okay. So these are like the element needs as well. And so on rational brain is what I, my master's degree for university that I got, that is like with my rational brain, that I achieved that, not with my emotional brain. So these are chemical reactions in the brain and they are activated in stress situations. Let me see if there's anyone messaging. Morgan says, can you have more than one stress response? Really beautiful question. Thank you for bringing that, Morgs. Yes, we have um, two at least, yeah. So my main one is, um, what is my main, we have flights and then I also am a freezer. Yeah. It's about, you know, think about it. If you are getting robbed on the streets, what are you going to do? Sometimes, or usually we think we know what we're going to do until it happens. And then we have the opposite response. If you're thinking, oh, I'm going to fight this person. I'm going to fight back, And then we actually fly. <laughs> we freeze. So it's it's really in stress situations when really shit hits the fan that these stress responses come come up heavily. And that's actually when you can gain awareness around. This is why it took me so long to figure out that I'm a flighter. Jorgana says, mine is a flight and freeze. Can you explain what phone is? Phone is people please. Yeah, the people please. I'll go into it just now. We are born with it or is it formed in childhood? Yes, I'll come to that in a second. The beautiful questions so these are coping mechanisms it's about surviving and protecting yourself and the freezer one this is really it's the most chemical one you cannot choose to freeze all the rest we can actually choose if you think about it i can choose to fight you i can choose to fly i can choose to people please but i can never choose to freeze that is really a chemical part that is being released in our brain when something happens. So when um, a man sexually assaulted me, I got up, I got, ended up in a freeze and I was so shocked that I ended up in a freeze. Me, me having such a big mouth being so like, like, you know, come at me. I got you, like fight me. I got into a freeze. So that was quite shocking for me to realize like, holy shit. Um, when really shit hits the fan, I, I just, my whole body just shuts off, shuts down. So we are born with this. We are born with the stress responses and we have a minimum of two. <clears throat> now, the big question is, can we resolve this? What do you guys think? And then someone asks, can our stress response change depending on the stress itself? Ex- example, different situation bring out. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I'm going to have a different response when I'm sexually assaulted versus when my boyfriend is asking me to sit next to him in a couch. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not going to freeze because my partner asked that. So um, yeah, not to make a joke about it, but yes, absolutely. Like it changes depending on the situation. Yeah. So it's just about awareness, really. It's not about judging. It's just like, oh, hey, this is how I respond in situations like that. That's so interesting. What unmet need is there for me. And Hilda says, it depends on how stressful the situation is. I will navigate the tree of them. Now in my breakup, I'm on total flight mode. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Can we resolve this? Can we resolve our stress responses? We can not resolve this. We really, really not. Like we can't. This is, again, to protect ourselves. It's a chemical part in your brains. We cannot control it. We can only bring healing towards it. And we can therefore minimize it. Okay, so in a situation where you, for example, you want to start a new, let's say you're fired from your job and it it just makes you end up in a freeze. Okay, how you can minimize that freeze feeling, literally being like, oh, my fucking God, I can't move. I can't breathe. I can't do anything. I'm self sabotaging myself because I'm not taking action to take to find a new job and so on. It's really about finding softness and compassion and understanding, okay, why am I in a freeze right now? What is the stress response? <clears throat> Sorry, trying to tell me. And all oh, this is what I wanted to say. If you are in a freeze, start moving your body, for example, so we can find or look up for strategies how we can get ourselves out of stress responses. Beautiful. So connecting the stress responses to nonviolent communication. What needs are not being fulfilled? So really take a screenshot of the next slides because this is going to be super important. The first one is to fight. What do you guys think is the unmet need of the person who fights? And the person who fights is the person who is literally in conflict with everyone. That's like my dad. My ex-boyfriend was also like that. He would fight me literally over everything. Whenever he's in stress, he would argue. He would start a conflict. He would fight me. He's like this pit bull attacking me. Like very like also violence um, in their words and so on. There's a lot of aggression there. Uh, and me as a flighter, I'm like, you're a psychopath. I don't talk about or talk to psychopaths like you. Fuck you. I'm out of here. Bye. <laughs> So that would lead to him feeling frustrated and me just being like, okay, I can't deal with this. So despite flights, it's kind of like this uh, cat mouse game. You probably have been there before. Let me know. But what do you think is the admit need for the fighter? Lack of validation, feeling unhurt, validation, caring. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. You guys are doing so well. Exactly. For the fighter, it's about recognition and connection. I remember like with my ex-partner when he was like starting an argument or a conflict, when he was attacking me, he actually just wanted to gain recognition and connection. But the way that fighters try to gain connection is like in such a violent way. And underneath that lies actually the need of being taken seriously and wanting to matter. They are wanting to matter. They're wanting to be seen and heard and be like. I'm here. Listen to me. So just know if you think you are a fighter, everyone has a lot of anger. This doesn't make you necessarily a fighter. How you can recognize fighters really in their energy. You just feel it. They're just like ready to attack you. They're like pit bulls, literally. They're in conflict with everyone. My ex-partner was in conflict with everyone. (laughs) He's also talking cock or shit about everyone. So not to judge him, obviously, it's just... (laughs) yeah i'm just expressing my frustration that i felt a few years back um and i was just running away right so they're very direct very like they can literally like give you a slap in the face and then you're just completely shocked and thrown up and just like oh my god what just happened and they're like come on fight me back and you just in the freeze or whatever it is Um, And these are the ones who are like, won't seek out for help because they believe they can figure it out. And in hobbies, we see these people as team sports being competitive. They have a need to win, right? So this is a fighter. Then we've got the flight. What is the unmet need here, you think? Okay, so for the flighter, yes. Alice said it, right? Autonomy, absolutely. Oh, here. Autonomy and to feel safe. And they also need space. So that is me. In the moment that like my partner is attacking me, quote unquote, saying, like, why are you not doing this? Da, 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 da. I'm in the in that moment, I'm just like, fuck, I want actually the autonomy to do whatever the fuck I want to do, whenever the fuck I want to do it. Okay. So this the autonomy actually creates safety for me. And this also like allows me, you know, having the space as well. These are strategies to come up with safety. So Flighters are um, the ones who also run away into addiction. So the ones who are addicted to porn, alcohol, drugs, being on their phone, um, want to commit suicide. That's an extreme example. But then you know, like, okay, this person, their stress response is actually to flights. They don't want to deal with the discomfort in the here and the now. And in hobbies, we see the people like who go ride their bicycle. Yeah, they're always like off. <laughs> Bye, I don't want to deal with this. I'm off, I'm gonna go on my own adventure good luck, success. (laughs) And then the freeze, to freeze, what is the unmet need there, you think? When someone is assaulting me, molesting me, and I end up in a freeze, what do you think my body needs? It's about, I need warmth, I need protection, I need physical and emotional safety. So, These people are actually ending up in an icy bubble. They're very apathetic. It feels like they're dead. It's like, hello, is someone home? Is someone there? Um, They usually sit up tight. There's tension. You see it in their eyes. There's like no warmth. There's like no breathing. There's just nothing, no warmth. So there's also no words. If you ask them like what's going on, what's happening, I don't know. I don't know. They can't can't voice it. They can't express what they're feeling because it feels like death on the inside. So a strategy that you can use to let them melt is humor. Humor always works. Make them laugh, make them smile, have have them like move their body, okay, moving to get out of that icy bubble. And the freezers are actually the one who are ending up in a spiral of shame and guilt. Why didn't I do anything or speak up? And that was definitely the case with me with like that that situation that happened when I was being attacked is like speeding myself up afterwards with so much violence towards myself, like me, why didn't I do anything in that moment, in that specific moment? I'm so surprised and shocked of my own behavior, my own stress response. Why didn't I do anything or defend myself, protect myself? So freezer people, they have a lot of inner violence. They affect themselves a lot. Okay, and then when we're looking at sports, these are the people who don't move. Uh, they don't like sport because they, they're just <laughs> in a freeze, but they like nature. Yeah. And then last but not least, fawn is a people pleaser. What do you think is the need of the people pleaser? Why, why will someone start people pleasing, you think? Yeah. So for the fawn or the people pleaser, it's really about peace and harmony. That's their biggest value. That is like what is really, really important to them. It's just like, I just want to be, I want everyone to be happy and content. And we want all, we all need to be friends. So these are the people who will bring cookies for everyone. They will be like, you know, if you ask them what do you want to drink? They will be like, oh, I want whatever you want to drink. (laughs) Or so they will people please in that way. It's always like the sweet child who monitors everyone's mood and behavior. They're so good at scanning their environment and always being the good girl or the good boy. Um, So this is the people-pleaser archetype, sacrificing themselves and disregarding themselves. We'll try to use humor to break the awkwardness, the clown. So if that was you when you were a child, when you were a kid, always like making jokes and being the clown, it's probably because you have a fawn tendency or stress response. So these are people who are not able to speak their truth or not being able to defend themselves. Uh, They say sorry to everyone for everything. So they they just don't want to bother anyone. That's their thing, that's their syndrome. And in sports, they don't do any sports. They don't want to compete because they don't like confrontation and they don't want to win. They will just be like, here, the fighter can win. I don't care. As long as everyone is happy, then it's good, right? But that's not sustainable in the long run. As you know, that will like build up resentment for the people pleaser in the long run. Yeah. Now, who do you think carries the most anger out of the four? Fight, flight, freeze or fawn? the right correct answer is not a fighter it really isn't it is a freezer and that's what i said is like they beat themselves up they have got so much inner violence of i should have reacted in this way i should have done it differently but they got so much inner violence and resentment so it's actually the freezer if they're not dealing with it like what? At some point, they're just going to explode, like Godzilla as well. The fighter basically just purges and vomits on top of you. <laughs> just be like, like, a hairball, like a cat, and just be like, oh, my God, thank God. So happy that just, like, is being released right now. And then, like, the other person just has to deal with the vomit on their chest and be like, oh, thanks, amazing. That's the fighter. <laughs> so they will just like express it in the moment. But it's really, then it's just like goes away again. And then you have to deal with it. But the freezer will stay with it for a long time. It like eats them as well. If they're not addressing it, if they're not bringing compassion and understanding and awareness to it beautiful thank you so much let me know in the chat box which stress response resonated the most with you you can have two if you feel like oh i also see myself as people please and as this or maybe there's just one thing that is really standing out for you let me know in the chat box lauren says it's super interesting morgan says what's the best way to deal heal with flight response i often feel every cell in my body uh, needing to get away from that situation. Is it to just take a step away and verbalize to the other person exactly. In that moment, when we are not communicating and just running away, that's a very immature way of dealing with things. How we want to show up as our highest selves and like with emotional maturity, which takes time. Um, <laughs> there's really no age. Uh, I have known people who are in their 40s or 50s and still have no emotional maturity um but it's really about communicating being like hey I feel really triggered right now I desire some space and some time to reflect and I would love a couple of hours or maybe like a day or two days just to spend some time by myself so I can come back to self-connection and from there I can actually connect with you and we can have a conversation about that how does that feel for you something like that. That's how I would deal with it. So the other person doesn't have to take it personally. If you need space, they're just like understanding. I'm like, oh, okay. She desires this. I'm going to give her everything all the time, space that she needs. So she can come back to center and being self-connection again. Cause again, you, you cannot connect with other people if you're not connected to self. Okay. Let me see. <laughs> Charlie says I'm all of them. <laughs> yeah. It might take some time to uh, figure out which one you are. Another tip that I can give is look back to your childhood because the emotional brain is not developed then fully. It's only until age 25. So look at like, what were you doing as a child when someone steals your toy? (laughs) Like, what will you do then in that moment? Will you fight them? Will you people please be like, okay, here's my toy. Or will you freeze or will you flight or what what will you do? So really reflect of like any memories that you have as a child. We don't have enough time, unfortunately, but we have come to the end. Uh, We're not going to do breakout rooms, but this is going to be your practice for tomorrow. So tomorrow we intentionally created some space and time for you guys to really sit with what we've discussed today and reflect on like, hey, um how is that showing up for me you know find out about your stress response try to find situations that have happened maybe yesterday last week a couple of years ago how did you respond and how can you bring more compassion to that stress response again connecting it to the unmet need in that moment and then another if you want to take it to a further level is thinking of like Okay, I feel disappointed that I ended up in a freeze when someone molested me or whatever it was. What need was it that I did try to fulfill in that moment? So we're like reversing it again. Like, okay, but what did I try to fulfill? Well, I tried to protect myself. I tried to keep myself safe. And in this way, when we're reversing it, we can really grow towards more healing and understanding. Yeah so I'm going to send you a document with the feelings and with the needs and that needs and you can use this as a reference to go really deeper into certain um, conflicts that have been arising for you so reflect reflect on a recent conflict with your partner your friend a colleague your mom your dad your cat I don't care is anyone that you felt like I was so like uh, triggered by this person what emotions arose for you during that time what Unmet needs, and then find out about the stress response, how much deeper you can go with that. Mm, yeah, it was so beautiful. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. I hope it was engaging and insightful and you've taken away some new tools in your toolkit, in your toolbox that you can use with your clients, with colleagues, with your family members, and with your loved ones or your partner.